Well, listen, if you've got your Bible, turn with me, Psalm 121. I've got about 20, 25 minutes I want to share with you. I have been doing a series this new year as we're going into 2021 called Reset. Uh, imagine the, uh, the button on your phone or uh, your computer. I mean, you know when it locks up, sometimes you just got to shut the computer down. You got to reboot it. Sometimes it's a soft reboot. Sometimes it's a hard. But what it does is it resets things. It gets things in their proper place. And my hope has been in, in these first few Sundays of this new year that we would re reset our spiritual life according to the priorities of God and the Bible. You remember we talked about first and arguably foremost about the Bible uh, being that uh, we need to know and apply God's Word to everyday life. It's a core value that we have. Last week we talked about the fact that earth is not our home. As much as we love what goes on around us, what we have, this is not our home. We're living for something else, and that something else is we're following Jesus and we're reaching people for Him. Well, today I want to talk about, again, facing the future with faith and trust in God rather than fear. The psalmist said in Psalm 121, he said, verse 1, I lift up my eyes to the hills. And then he asked this question, where does my help come from? And then he says, my help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. Now, he didn't tell us anything about the hills or much about them, but it seems to suggest that there was a potential problem in the hills. He connects the hills to uh, uh, meeting a need in his life, to needing help, and he says it's the Lord. So it's possible that the hills or the mountains, perhaps there were wild animals, uh, that his, he was making his journey through the hills or the mountains, they could harm him. You remember the parable of the Good Samaritan. He was a man going from Jerusalem to, I believe, Jericho. He's going down this wide, uh, this windy mountainous trail, and lo and behold, robbers jump him, and they almost kill him, leave him for dead. Uh, that was a very common practice. But in these hills or mountains were also known what's called the high places. They were primarily places of pagan worship. Sometimes the Jews, that when they wouldn't go to the temple, they would go to these high places. But it's possible that uh, he was afraid of perhaps demonic spirits in the hills. We don't know what it was, but there was some uncertainty about what he was facing. And he looked at it and said, where am I going to get some help? And he said this to us, I, my help comes from the Lord. The one who made the hills and any problem that may be there, that God can protect me. Now, um, today there's a lot of fear and uncertainty about the future. It's just around us. It's tangible. You know, just when you think COVID is over, a new strain is supposedly coming. You know, we see the results of the election and, and the direction America may be headed. I mean, there's a lot of things to be afraid of out in the world, but the simple message I want to bring you this morning is that no matter what the future holds, we can face tomorrow with confidence in God because of trust in Him, and our trust and faith can silence the fear that speaks so loudly to us. So I've called this reset, faith and trust, and I want to go to an Old Testament passage. It is a historical account of the prophet Elisha. You know, there were two prophets. There was Elijah, and then he had a successor. His name was Elisha. 
Both these men were vocal mouthpieces of God. Both these men were accurate in their prophecies as they led the nation. But let's pick up on a story. In the first couple of verses, I want to give you background. And then we'll give some very practical things that help us be men and women of faith and trust and not uh, a man and woman that's uh, destroyed by fear. Uh, 2 Kings 6.11, the king of Aram became very upset over this, and he called his officers together and demanded, which of you is the traitor who has been informing the king of Israel of my plans? Now, let me tell you what's going on. Um, the, uh, uh, the Arameans uh, and their king, Ben-Hadad, everybody say, Hadad is bad. He's the bad guy. They're kind of encamped uh, on the outskirts of Israel's land where they live. And what they're doing is they're coming in and they're pillaging, they're destroying villages, they're robbing, they're stealing. Uh, they're, just, uh, you know, they're just out to destroy the nation of Israel. But what happens is when they get their plan and gear and they're going to go to a city, God tells the prophet Elisha, and Elisha goes and tells the good king, King Jeram, and say, Hey, look, we either need to evacuate people or we need to send some soldiers down there because this bad guy, Hadad, is, he's going to hurt us. And that's the way it went. And it frustrated this bad king, Hadad, uh, 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 immensely. Well, then his, uh, uh, he makes this accusation because, again, all he sees is what he sees with his natural eyes. And he makes this accusation, it must be one of you, my soldiers or officers, you know, that are, that are warning him. Well, verse 12 says this, it's not us, king, but Elisha the prophet in Israel tells the king of Israel even the words you speak in the privacy of your bedroom. Now, that allusion to the privacy of your bedroom speaks of the sovereignty of God. It speaks of the all-knowing God that God knows everything about everyone, even our thought life. We don't have to say it. How many know God is Almighty God? He's a sovereign God, and God knows these things. Well, lo and behold, there's nothing hidden from him. And God revealed to this good king through the prophet Elisha uh, what this bad guy was, uh, was going to do. He got mad about it, but uh, he realized, I'm going to have to do something with Elisha. Uh, prophets in the Bible were accurate in their words. They were trustworthy. But how many know, well, first of all, let me say this. I believe, and I hope you believe as a Bible believer, that the gift of prophecy, 1 Corinthians 14, is still for today. That the ministry of the prophet, uh, Ephesians 4.11, is still for today. And that there still can be the voice of God, that God would speak to us and God would direct us and show us things. Oftentimes it is not predictive. Most of the time it's simply to encourage people. That's what I hope we experienced in that short ministry time that we had uh, uh, before communion. The words that uh, we shared were words that our pastors have been praying over this week, asking the Lord a word that would encourage, in my case, the encouragement of marriage. But how many know sometimes prophecies can be wrong? That's a good time to say amen. I don't know about you, but I heard a lot of prophecies about the election. It didn't turn out according to most of what these people uh, you know, had said was going to happen. And that leaves you in a dilemma because there's one or two things we can do. Uh, number one, we can do what we should not do is throw the baby out with the bathwater. You know, you've heard the phrase, I mean, uh, you know, your kid's dirty, you give them a bath, and it's, oh, it's just gross, and, you know, can't do anything else with this water. So can you imagine taking that little one-year-old baby and throwing that poor child in the water out? 
Well, no, you don't do that. You take the baby and you keep the baby and you get rid of the dirty water. Well, somehow we have to be able to do that with prophecies. Um, uh, don't allow yourself because of confusion or disillusionment because something or someone said to you didn't turn out. I've had some, some tremendous things spoken over my life. I'm in vocational ministry today because a prophet, his name was George Evans. We had a, a church camp, and, and uh, he was there, and he was praying over me. And I, I was like 24, 25 years old, and I was at a time of my life I didn't know what I was going to do next. There was a part of me wanted to go in vocational ministry. There was a part of me that wanted to go back and farm with my dad, and I, I genuinely wanted to do both. But he came up to me and didn't know me from Adam, put his hand on my head, and he said these words. He said, uh, there's a shepherd's heart in this man. And it was like, it was the voice of God speaking to me. And it literally helped me make that decision that transformed my life. On the other hand, I've had people say things to me that did not turn out, that were wrong. And it created kind of a frustration in life. But let me give you the scripture that helps me with this dilemma. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 19, uh, Paul the Apostle said, don't hold back the work of the Holy Spirit. That's like saying, don't throw out the baby with the bathwater. And then he very clearly says, don't treat prophecy as if it were unimportant. But then he says this. He says, test everything. Can you say test? In other words, evaluate it. Does it agree with the Bible? Sometimes it's, it's a subjective test that we have just kind of on the inside with our peace. And other times we just have to give it time. But he says this, test everything, and then this phrase I don't like, keep what is good. If I'm supposed to keep what is good, how many know that implies that some of it is not good? Let me ask you, let me see if I can illustrate this. How many like watermelon? Ah, it's one of my favorite, I don't know, is it a fruit or vegetable? Okay. Well, it's probably my favorite. And I want you to imagine, uh, you know, you go to Walmart, sometimes you get a good seedless melon from, you know, wherever, South America, sometimes you don't. But I just know that when this farmer uh, pulls up his truck in the old Kmart parking lot, and uh, it says Cass County Watermelons, or it says, you know, Hope Watermelons, I know I'm going to get something good. And uh, I go and I pick one, and it just seems like the, the, they're costing more and more over time. But uh, I get one that I think is good, and, and uh, as long as uh, uh, I have been farming and gardening, I still don't know uh, what's a great watermelon. It's the oddest thing. You look at color, you thump it, you look at the stem, you do all those things. But anyway, this guy thumps, 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 says, this is a good one. Come on, take this one. So I bring it home, and I put it in the refrigerator to get it cool, and then I get a long knife, and I put that knife in that watermelon. And when you get about, whoa, four inches in it, it starts this crackling sound. How many know when you hear that crackling sound, you know something better than popcorn is about to appear? <laughs> and you cut it, and before you know it, it pops open. And then you see seeds. And then you take that watermelon, and you go out to the compost pile and throw it away because it has seeds. Is that what you do? No, you take either a fork or a spoon or however you eat it. When you get those seeds, uh, you spit them at your dog. Don't spit them at your wife after you prayed today. But you, you do something with those seeds, and then you just enjoy that watermelon. I mean, till it's running down your face and it's, it's gotten over your shirt. Well, that's the same thing we have to do with this spiritual gift of prophecy. We have to enjoy the watermelon and spit out the seeds. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. 
But your, your biblical prophets are the standard, and they were trustworthy. Now, let's get to the application of the message. Verse 13. This bad king, the king Hadad, he said, go and find out where Elisha is. Because here's the problem. He knows he's never going to get a victory over Israel as long as this prophet Elijah is there. Now, I want you to read into the arrogance of this man, but also read into the fact that he's spiritually blinded. He knows nothing about God. He says, go find out where he is, and I'm going to send troops to seize him. Well, somebody tells him Elisha is at a place called Dothan. So one night, the king of Aram sent a great army with many chariots and horses to surround the city. And the servant of the man of God got up early the next morning and he went outside. And there were troops, horses, and chariots everywhere. And then you can almost hear his knees shaking in this next verse. He says, oh, sir, talking to Elisha, what are we going to do? What are we going to do now? Because if they kill you, they're probably going to kill me, and I don't want to go to jail, and I don't want to have to. What are we going to do? There's a picture here. It's a Sunday school picture. But imagine in this little town here in Dothan, Elijah gets, Elisha gets up early and his servant, I guess they're going to a Cracker Barrel for breakfast of their day, get him a good western omelet. And uh, they look out there and all surrounding the city, they see horses, they see spears, they see chariots. It's a multitude of people and all they know is they're outnumbered and they said, what are we going to do now? I want to suggest to you this is a defining moment for the future. And I want us to try to draw some parallels in our own life and world today. It is a defining moment, not only for Elisha, but for the nation of Israel. Because if Elisha is captured, they're free to go and attack Israel at will and destroy the nation. The servant was terrified by what he saw. How many know sometimes our reason and our experience can get us into trouble? How many know there's eyes that see natural things, but there's eyes that see spiritual things? There's eyes that see the mountains, but there's eyes that see the God that made the mountain. And those eyes see by faith. The servant's anxiety and fear, not faith and trust in the Lord, is what controlled him. And here's something I know about fear. Fear can paralyze you. Have you been taking a shower and doing your little check around your body and find a little bump, a lump, that you wasn't supposed to be there and hadn't been there before? And you pretend that it's not there and you don't tell anybody, but you know you're going to be dead in a month. How many understand what I'm talking about? I mean, it has to be a fast-growing cancer. Come on now. You hadn't thought. I mean, fear is paralyzing. And fear of an uncertain future can make our mind run wild as we think about the possibilities. Uh, The psalmist said in Psalm 143, I'm losing all hope. I'm paralyzed with fear. Listen, there's a lot of things about the election that have me very concerned. I'm concerned now that it seems like we're going to have an ally of Iran and not Israel. I'm very concerned for all the unborn babies when Planned Parenthood is going to get tens of millions of dollars. That bothers me. It bothers me when it's going to become normal in America. Immorality is going to become more normal in America It bothers me that religious freedom could be pushed and assaulted by secular forces in America. But I'm not going to let fear control me. 
I'm not going to let fear. And let me give you an, an example. See, there's an antidote for fear. Uh, this fall, I think I saw more little snakes on my little property than I, I, I've ever seen. Uh, I, I saw seven little snakes, and I thought, I must be feeding my kitty cats too much because, because I saw two little copperheads and, 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 and several other different kinds of snakes. Well, how many know if you get bit by a, a grass snake, uh, you, you're probably just going to swell up. But if you get bit by a copperhead, you got to go get an antidote. Yeah. I mean, some, well, you know there's an antidote to fear. And that antidote is faith and trust in God. Now, faith and trust are very similar. They're like fingers on your hands. They're like brothers. Faith, though, carries with it more of a sense of, of conquest, of going forwards, of winning, of doing something, of believing. Trust carries the idea more of just sitting, being grounded on the rock. You know, that no matter what happens, how the wind blows, that God is with me. Um, recently, I had, a, I had a bad bout with COVID. Uh, I'm sorry I was not live last week with you, but a bad bout over Christmas. It took me a while to, to uh, get my strength back. But uh, uh, my wife, I guess, had got a little tester thing for your oxygen levels and must have got it off a cheap place at Amazon because mine was reading low. And, and, and she talked to the doctor and said, you better get him to the hospital. So uh, I got my pajamas, I, you know, I got my Bible, and uh, uh, my wife asked about our will, and she asked if the insurance was paid, and we're getting ready to... <laughs> she didn't. She knew it was paid. It's, a, it's an automatic draft. Um, but anyway, I put one more thing in my little satchel. I put Isaiah 41.10. Now listen, you can overcome your fear by the Word of God. Faith is not just jacking yourself up or having a feeling. feeling uh, faith is a confidence in God's Word. And Isaiah 41.10 says, fear not. Come on now. Fear not because God is with me. God is with me. I want you to say this verse with me. Um, uh, Isaiah 41.10. Don't worry because I'm with you. Don't be afraid because I'm your God. I'm going to make you strong and help you. I'm going to uphold you by my righteous right hand. Listen, I laid hold of that when I went in that hospital, and I thank God when I held on to it when I left that hospital. But four times in that verse, God says, I'm with you, I'm your God, I'll make you strong, and I'm going to uphold you by my righteous right hand. Now, how many can say we can trust that in the Lord today? That that's the antidote for fear, trusting in God through the revelation of his word. Now, look at verse 16. This is, a, this is profound. We see the opposite of the servant now. We see Elisha's response. Elisha said, don't be, in other words, don't let fear trump. And then he said the strangest thing. He said, there's more on our side than on theirs. Now, had he been eating psychedelic mushrooms in those mountains? I mean, I mean there's more that's with us than are with them. And then he moved from the natural to the spiritual. Elisha prayed and said, Lord, open his eyes and let him see. And the Lord opened the young man's spiritual eyes and when he looked up, he saw that the hillside around Elisha was filled with horses and chariots of fire. Now, we've got a little picture of this. I'm sorry, it's a little grainy. It's an old shot. I think it was uh, 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 taken with an Android phone. But, 
But that's Elisha, and, and, and you can see all uh, uh, bad Hadad's guys that are camped out there. It's tents everywhere. It's horses. It's chariots. It's everything. But he looked a little higher in the hills, and guess what those horses are, those horses and, 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 and that fire? Those are the angels of the Lord. There were angels that were at work there. And uh, Elisha was motivated by trust and faith. He saw a greater reality than what the servant feared. Now, let me give you an application that I think is probably the most profound one of the morning. It's, a, it's, a little, it's another little uh, uh, historical event from Elisha. But it's this. Faith looks beyond the problem and sees God. You can either stare at the horseman in the valley or you can lift your eyes a little higher to the Lord. You remember the story, in, not the story, but the historical account in 2 Kings chapter 4, there was a woman, and uh, she, she, she uh, and her husband would help Elisha. Uh, they gave him a room. They put furniture in it. Whenever he'd come to town, he'd have food to eat. And after a while of her kindness, uh, Elisha said, uh, is there anything we can do for you? And she said, well, you could pray for me. I don't have any children. And he prayed for that barren womb, and a miracle happened that woman conceived. Now, if you are a woman and you ever had a struggle in your life having a baby, my wife, uh, I mean, listen, our first few children, uh, all I had to look at her just right, and she was pregnant, you understand. Uh, but, but some women want to have a baby and just can't. So she's gone nine years, and nine, ten years, eleven years, and she's got this little baby. And this young boy now goes with the, to his daddy to the field. And in the middle of the day, we don't know what happened. It could have been a brain aneurysm. But in the middle of the day, he said, my head is hurting. And by the end of the day, listen, he's laying in his parents' arms and he dies. Now, what happens next is significant. What she does, this woman, is she doesn't take him to the funeral parlor. She takes him and lays him on the bed of Elisha the prophet. Now listen to the story or the, or the historical account. Um, Elisha saw her and he said to Gehazi, run out to meet her and ask her, is everything all right with you, your husband? And she says the most amazing thing. She said, yes, everything is fine. Now had she taken too, many, too much medication? Was she crazy? Or was she lifting her eyes beyond the fear? You see, God had given her that child. It was a promise from God, and somehow she knew it was a long-term promise, and her faith would not let go of that little boy. And, of course, you know the rest of the story. We don't have time to read it. But uh, uh, she brings the prophet. The prophet goes to the room where the baby is. He ministers to the child, and lo and behold, the baby lives. And uh, it was a miracle that happened. And faith, it happened because her faith looked beyond the problem and saw God. And this is what we, might, what we have to do with the uncertainty of the future is we have to see the hand of God. Let me tell you what I look at when I see the future. I see a great outpouring of God's Holy Spirit coming across America. I see the greatest days of the church being before us, not behind us. I see that no matter how strong the world gets, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I serve the God who is greater. I serve the God who is in control. So when I look at the future, I'm not going to look at the problems that I see, but I'm going to look higher and see my God. Come on, somebody give the Lord a good hand. Listen, let me wrap this up. Um, I want to tell you that angels are real today. 
The same angels that you saw depicted there are alive and well today. You say, well, how do you know that? Hebrews 1.14 says this, Angels are ministering spirits sent to serve those who will... Now, how many have inherited salvation from Jesus? Wave your hand at me. Come on. The rest of you need to be at that cross at the end of the service today. But what does that mean? That means that angels are real. They're involved in the world. They're active. An angel could spare you in an accident. An angel could spare your life. Listen, something miraculous can happen. We have a church member this week. She told me she said she had, a, 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 she had COVID. She was so weak. I think in her case, her blood sugar got like 40. And she couldn't even control herself. I mean, she couldn't get out of the bed. She couldn't make a phone call. And she knocked her phone on the floor. And the phone automatically dialed uh, 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 someone that she was very close to. That person had been praying for her. They knew where there's a problem. They called the ambulance. And the ambulance got there. And she's fine and she's alive today. Listen, angelic intervention happens. You don't pray to angels, okay? I mean, no, we pray to the Lord. But could we maybe in our prayer say, Lord, would you send an angel to come and help me? <laughs> come on now. Could you send an angel to look out for me and watch over me? I'll just leave that with you. And uh, I'll, 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 I'll close with this. God is in control. When you think about your future, your finances, your health, your children, your grandchildren, remember this. God is in control. He's sovereign over all that happens on the earth. Sovereign simply means he's the boss. He doesn't cause everything, but if he doesn't cause it, he'll allow it. Anything that you can see happening, you can know. Now, how many know there's conditions sometimes that we must meet and all that? But even in that, come on, if something happens, ultimately God is involved in it in some fashion. And if God's involved in it, how many know good can come out of it? I want to tell you, friend, even from bad things, good can come. The Bible says in Romans 8, 28, and we know that those that are called according to the Lord, all things, say it with me, all things work together for good to those that are called according to his purpose. It may not be what I want to happen, but if it's his purpose, how many know we're headed to a good place, friend, in the future? And I don't know about you, but I'm excited to get there because the Lord's already there. Give him a big hand today. He is worthy of all our praise. I close with where we began, Psalm 121. I will lift up my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. And my friends, that same God is with us today. He is in control. Our life is in his hands and nobody can snatch it out. Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of praise. Why don't you stand to your feet and I'd like to have a, a prayer for you and then Pastor Michael close our service. Why don't you just bow your head and this real quickly this morning. There's the option I'll be controlled by fear or I'll be controlled by trust and faith. If you're here today and say, Pastor, I've been wrestling with fear and anxiety lately. This uncertainty in the world has shaken my life. And I want to pray that God would help me become a greater person of faith. I want to pray, God, that my trust would be unshakable. If that's you, just slip your hand up right now. 
nobody else's business, but all over the building. This is simply humbling yourself before God and saying, God, I recognize there's an enemy at work because God's not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. And Lord, that's what I embrace today by faith. The Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God. We have a responsibility to get those scriptures in our head and heart so we can put them in the suitcase when we need to. But let's just pray right now and say, Holy Spirit, help us. Help us be more like Elisha than his servant. Let us not just see the enemy. Let us not just see the problem. Let us see God the problem solver. That woman whose little baby died, something was in her heart deeply and it was faith. And she would not let go of her promised child. And God heard her cry. God anoint us all with that spirit today. Because the world is going to be surrounded. As the days get darker and as troubling things happen, the world will be shaken and falling apart. But we who are founded on the rock will stand firm. Bless us with this, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Listen, I love you. Pastor Mike's closing, and uh, we look forward to seeing you Wednesday night. Amen, amen. As we close, we're going to have a prayer team come up. Don't leave without getting prayer. You know, I watched the Lord deliver my wife from a spirit of fear. And it can be a spirit. It was literally passed down from her mom in a sense. And uh, But she got a word from God. It was Psalm 91. No plague come near our dwelling. No evil befall us. He will give his angels charge over you to keep you in all your ways. And it goes on and on. But after she got that word, she got a test. It all got tested. And then she had somebody pray with her. And it was during that time, those combinations, she really got freedom in that. And so you got a word today about fear from your pastor, from the Word of God. And God wants to set you free. Now before you leave, just come up and agree with somebody. Let them pray with you. And we'll leave today's the day that God can help you, you know, get out of that, uh, away from that spirit of fear. Yeah, it'll come up, but you'll respond differently. And the last thing, during our ministry time, remember I asked that question? You know, are you right with the Lord? And before you leave, if you raised your hand, I really want you to come over to that cross. This is where you get to kind of stand up and step away from your past and really step into what God has for you. You know, I said that either storing up wrath or storing up riches. I stored up wrath for 30 years. And then somebody shared the message of the gospel. I had to invite Christ in my life. I remember raising my hand and saying that prayer. But I'm telling you, things changed in my life. And so if you're here, even if you didn't raise your hand, but you know you need to get right before you leave, just stop by that cross and we're going to say a prayer with you. Amen. Altar team's here. They're ready to pray with you about anything. Let's worship this song and give the Lord a hand clap for those people that are going to come to that cross. Amen.